today's episode of the Culture Vacuum Podcast. We review the new movie Proud Mary and the Oscar contender, Call Me By Your Name. So sit back, relax, and get sucked in. Welcome to episode 12 of the Culture Vacuum Podcast, the official podcast of culturevacuum.com. I'm your host, Samuel Poulet. With me, as always, is my co-host, Michael Watts. What's going on, everybody? We, we, got, a, we got a special guest today, oh, your friend yeah. and mine, Patrick Gallagher. Woo! What's up, everybody? How's it going? Patrick, uh, tell the people a little bit about yourself. Well, I used to go to school with Michael, mm-hmm. but now... Um, I still go to school <laughs> and I'm an acting student at Marymount Manhattan and I love movies. So th- thanks for having me on. You know, Patrick, with, with a resume like that, I can definitely say you're about as qualified to talk about movies as the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. <laughs> oh, wow. Segways. <laughs> you had the Golden Globes. They were last week. Yeah. Uh, you know, I watched the whole thing. I went out. I actually bought a TV antenna to watch them on. Wow, that's dedication. I returned it the very next day. So <laughs> TV, television is terrible. Ads, just garbage. Terrible. It's, it's useless anymore, you know? I, I hate TV. Okay, so this is something I wrote before watching the show. Uh, I was not expecting much in the name of speeches, but it's going to be interesting to see how far Seth Meyers is going to be allowed to go on his jokes. I liked Meyers' monologue quite a bit. I'm expecting a lack of Golden Globes or stupid jokes. I was very right there. Mm-hmm. And because uh, the, the, the sexual harassment that hung over the show so much, that was going to be the thing people were talking about that night. And here's here's what I'll say. Uh, I think that I don't want this to sound like I'm endorsing it, but I think Harvey Weinstein is the best thing to happen to the Golden Globes in ages. Wow. Because yeah. the Golden Globes, they, they've just been this this culturally irrelevant show run by 80 people who wanted to meet Matt Damon and just every year there were always jokes of man aren't the Golden Globes dumb and then the Harvey Weinstein thing happens and all of a sudden the Globes are like oh my god we have something to actually talk about <laughs> we can stand for something yeah god! we we have yeah. something that we can all rally around and yeah. and if you're Franco you can wear the times up pen and then get accusations coming out that next if, if day. you're franco or aziz ansari or countless others of people who were hypocritical and wearing that pin yeah better to just not wear the pin just yeah. in case i just yeah just in case just in case you know you never know in this in this situation <laughs> um did you have any sort of sexual relations in the past two years oh well be- be- better not to just not wear it just be safe yeah. you know? <laughs> Just in case, you never. Just know. in case, just in case. Don't wear the better pen. to be it's safe a, than sorry. It's exactly. Okay. Make some donations. You'll be fine. Yeah, you'll be fine. Just whatever you do, don't write a response. <laughs> uh, I uh, that that was pretty much it. The only th- things that uh, stood out to me, uh, they referred to downsizing as a terrific movie. <laughs> okay. That was that was odd to hear. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, uh, it was great because like you know these award shows they like to have the presenters do like funny little bits before they hand out the awards. Right. They're the worst part of every award show, but since they went long, 
they cut all of them. It was great. Well, we do get the occasional Will Ferrell and Kristen Wiig bit um, whenever they present, and they're sometimes funny. Well, yeah, but overall, though, they're not good. So I'm glad just after two people's speeches went too long, they cut all the pre-awards bits. So it was just awards and speeches the rest of the night. Uh, The other thing I noticed is every single TV win stuck to exactly what the Emmys gave out, unless it was for a show that came out after the Emmys. Mm. So Marvelous Mrs. Maisel won big. I saw it. Good show. But every single TV one, as far as I could tell, was basically what the Emmys gave out because they need to keep up the illusion that the Golden Globes are legit shows. It's like, oh, if the Golden Globes sell what the Emmys said, then I guess it's a real show. We're just as good as the Emmys. See, we did the same thing. Don't expect anything from the Golden Globes to be predictors for the Oscars. By the way, the nominations for the Oscars come out Tuesday, so we'll be talking about – we'll be doing a big old nominations show next week. The Golden Globes, it's a good – the Globes put on a really good show. I'll give them that. And, you know, let's get political for a second. Oprah, Oprah, honey, I love you. (laughs) Don't run for president. (laughs) Hey, listen, everyone will get a everyone will get a panini press, Samuel. You you will get a panini press and Patrick will get a panini press. Oprah, you're such a good person. I love you. Don't run for president. She could do all right, I think. Oprah, run for like mayor of Chicago so you know how to run a government. I wouldn't mind having two TV presidents in a row. (laughs) I wouldn't mind. How low is the bar? Like, is Oprah a better person? Than uh, Twiddly McTwiddle, who's in the White House now. Yes, she is. But that doesn't mean she can run a government. That's true. <laughs> Good point. See, now, if, she runs, like, if she runs for mayor of Chicago or wait, to be an Illinois senator. shut down as of right now. <laughs> yeah, we are, we are currently – what government, Samuel? I don't know what you're talking sure. about. The revolution is just beginning. Yeah. But if, o- if Oprah runs for like mayor of Chicago or becomes one of the senators of Illinois, then – and then – gets a few years just to know what the job is like then i'll be open to an oprah presidency but right now no stop it and you too mark zuckerberg and you dwayne the rock johnson it is i human being mark zuckerberg and you kanye west (laughs) yeah well we have i I think that that we can kiss those dreams goodbye i mean kanye also said he was gonna have an album called turbo graphic 16 come out just after (laughs) life of pablo so you know yeah, but then he went mad. Yeah, still waiting. Still waiting, on, still waiting on Turbo Graphics 16, Kanye. But you know, <laughs> your new Yeezys look cool. Yeah. Stick to shoes. Stick. Yeah. Stick to stick to what you're good at and music. You know, I'm not someone who knows a lot about sneakers, but are are Ultra Boost just Yeezys without the Yeezy branding? Ultra Boost, what they did is it's Adidas looking at what Kanye made and using that sort of like so you know how when he released the yeezys he was all like oh they're super cool and they've got these reinforced stitchings and blah 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 blah, blah, all that stuff so that's adidas being like we took the technology that kanye west created with the yeezys and put them into our own design and so yeah so that's yeah i mean like ultra boosts they're easier to get than yeezys oh yeah definitely they're 100 percent cheaper because they're not designed by kanye west they're designed by joe schmo at adidas corporated <laughs> they still look good i don't know i'm looking for new sneakers so uh, i mean they're good sneakers from what i've heard you know and they're still, for, yeah. they'll still get the head turn you know this sounds more like a decompression topic <clears throat> <Yeah. clears throat> so we have 
have other news to talk about. Other news. Uh, other Leonardo news. DiCaprio is signed on to be in Tarantino's movie number nine. Mm. Ooh. Leo's no the one. first to sign on to this movie, but the the other uh, he wants Tom Cruise. Apparently, there's a role written for Al Pacino in this thing. Like, oh, this damn. movie is jam-packed but it's not necessarily it's some people have pitched it it's going to be like pulp fiction where it's a bunch of anthologies woven into an overarching story mm. uh, uh i'm very excited for that. so it's but it's all going to be about the the manson murders it's not going to be about the manson murders but like that's just gonna be like here's a story of this guy meanwhile charlie manson is killing people oh okay Interesting. So is Leo going to be Charles then? We don't know who he's going to be. Like, Sony bought the rights to this movie, and he had a bunch of people in mind for it. Apparently, the budget is close to $100 million just because of the talent he wants to get into this thing. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward I'm looking forward to it, though. Yeah. I mean, it's a Tarantino yeah. movie. I mean, why, yeah. why not look forward to it? When you look at what Leo did with Calvin Candy, some could argue he deserved the Best Supporting Actor award over Christoph Waltz that year. I 100% agree. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Leo doesn't want best supporting actor. He wants actor. He wants best actor. Yeah, he wants the he wants the big the big A. Well, just think what he did last time he did it. He ate a fucking raw chicken <laughs> and survived that awful shoot for I don't know how many months. I think six. Slept in out. a. I slept in a. He slept in a horse. Uh, they only shot with. They only shot in natural lighting. Like. Ugh. Oh yeah. Just he did everything. Rough. He took he took the phrase of "I'm gonna get this award even if it kills me" to just a, a new level. I mean, the Revenant ends with him looking at the camera, saying, "Can I have it now? Please, <laughs> please give please. me the Oscar. <laughs> Look at what I've done for the past two and a half hours. Oh, Look God. how fucked up my face is. This is real. I was attacked by a bear or or a man in a bear suit. We don't we don't know." <laughs> <laughs> They still haven't told me which parts were real. He'll wake up with hair, with bear hair in my ass. <laughs> Do you think he has PTSD from from making that movie? <laughs> I, don't I don't know. All I know is once he won, he immediately went on a pleasure yacht with a harem. So uh, you yeah, know, I think he's doing he's doing <laughs> just fine. <laughs> if anything's gonna get rid of the PTSD from making the Revenant, it's it's going on a big ass boat with some big booty bitches. Look at the photos of Leo after the Revenant. Just ah, oh, after he won the Oscar, just so happy. it's just. It's just him and nine women surrounding him. It's the, fa- I think it's it's the face <laughs> of that kid who's in the back seat who always asks his mom if they can get McDonald's for dinner, and then she, she but she never says yes. And then one day she just had an extra long day, so she just fuck it, sure, fine. And it's just, <laughs> it's just, it's the, it's the face of that kid who's just like, oh my god, it's actually happening! Holy shit, it finally happened. <laughs> Oh, well, God. I love how Leo has turned into like the new George Clooney because George Clooney used to be the one dating all the supermodels and like getting the awards, and, and now it's become Leo since George has gone off and got married to them all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, it's it's now Leo's turn. You know, he's earned it. Good for he him. Has. It's about time. <laughs> he's, in, he's in the new Tarantino. So yay! So that's good. The cast Drago's son in Creed two. Mm-hmm. Okay. Nice. Uh, he's he's not an actor. He's an MMA fighter or a boxer, but it, it makes it, you know, it looks like they're not going to go too far from what Drago was in that first Rocky, which is just this very physical person doesn't really do a lot of yeah. acting, which is fine because it's all about it's all about Michael B. Jordan in this thing. Right. Heavyweight champ of the world. That'll be a nice little uh, story bit, you know, 
you killed yeah, my bit. father. No, your dad killed my dad, yeah, so that, now I'm going to kill so you. So now I'm going to kill you. Except... What if that's what they do? What if that's what happens in the movie? Wow. It's not a boxing oh. movie at all. It's just a, it's a vendetta where it's, yeah. just, it's just Creed trying to, to kill the other guy. Sorry, okay. I'm not buying into Creed 2 unless we give Sylvester Stallone another Academy Award nomination. <laughs> He's dead. He can't. He can't. You, okay, Pat, did you see Bridge of Spies? No. Okay. Um, it might be the worst movie to ever be nominated for an Oscar since Avatar. I'm not sure. <laughs> it is so boring. And all the reviews for this thing is like, oh, the movie's pretty good, but Mark Rylance is great. No, Mark Rylance is just funny in the movie. And that's <laughs> – he's just – you're in this boring slog of a movie and then Mark Rylance shows up, makes some jokes, and you're like, ha, 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 back to a boring bad movie. And that's, <laughs> that's why they gave him an Oscar because he made a terrible movie slightly tolerable. I hate Bridge of Spies so much. <laughs> And they gave it an Oscar nom over I, – I think that it was the one of, of those Oscar-nominated movies that are all deserving and then Bridge of Spies. Because the Academy Awards just feel the need anytime it's Meryl Streep or Tom Hanks just to give them a nomination just because why the fuck not? Eh, yeah, this this year's Oscars are going to be interesting because the av- – uh, they. The Academy added a ton of people to it, and this is the youngest Academy in ages Like, because they, they added a bunch of young people. So you're getting people who have been more active in the industry. So that's why some people are saying Logan may have an outside chance of getting nominated because you have a younger awards body who appreciates Logan as more than just a comic book movie. That also means that you know maybe we'll get some more culturally relevant nominations this year. Yeah. We'll find out Tuesday. All right. Tuesday. Then let's talk about some trailers and then we'll get to the two the two big news stories. Uh I only put this in the notes because uh Michael said he's betting on it being the bomb of the year. Mm-hmm. Tomb Raider, trailer number two. Michael, does this change your percent? Do you think that people will respond better to this trailer than the first one and maybe go give Tomb Raider some money? I think I think it's definitely better than the first trailer. I mean the first trailer I saw and I was like, okay. I was like, cool, yeah. Gotcha. Tomb Raider movie. Yeah. And this one actually sort of like, see, the last trailer was more just like, hey, look, we're making a Tomb Raider movie. And now the second one is actually like, okay, but this movie actually has a story and a plot. And here's what, you know, you're going to see. And so that was nice to see that they've got like a, a plan, you know, at least. So, I mean, I'm still not super excited for it or or hopeful for it because it's just number one superhero movies or not superhero movies uh game video game movies cannot do well as we know and number two it just the trailer it wasn't anything special you know Mm -hmm. like i i haven't seen anything about this movie to get me excited for it yet if that makes sense you know patrick you're a you're a more normal person what do you think (laughs) well I love the Tomb Raider games personally and think that the direction that they're taking with this movie. This movie got greenlit once um, Square Enix, the video game company that makes Tomb Raider, um, did well. Basically, it did really well. Um, I love the game personally. I'm really excited for it because Alicia Vikander looks like a badass. and. Yeah. Ultimately, that's what a good Tomb Raider movie is going to come down to. An amazing actress that can look like a badass in action sequences. 
Yeah, she's my one big hope for this movie because, you know, if you, if you, if you watch those original Tomb Raider movies, Laura Croft is just tits. Yeah. And that's that's basically her character. And then when they relaunched it, like the the new character model for Laura Croft is still very beautiful, but she's definitely more reasonably proportioned. Right. <laughs> she's just a, she's a normal good looking girl instead of, yeah. a, you know, instead of boobs, augmented, ridiculously <laughs> bodacious, good looking girl. Yeah. So I'm, I'm glad they're going with Alicia Vikander, who is still very beautiful but they're not sexualizing her she looks like in all the posters she looks like you know like pretty dirty yeah <laughs> see the, is... the determining factor is is whether or not we get a we get a shower so, uh, shot in this movie see that's yeah. that's that's when you know that's like <laughs> that's gonna be the moment when watching this movie where we can go okay so th- yeah no so this is a piece of garbage so I mean, it depends on how they handle the sh- like. You can do a character showering blood, like that's a very like in Molly's game. Uh, there's a scene where she gets beat up and then she takes a shower to get the blood and filth off of her, right. and like she's naked, but like she's not sexualized. Like she looks like she's in pain. Yeah, it, it's all about how you handle. it. Of course, of course. Now, two big stories. I wish I could stop talking about these guys, but you know, Michael DC Comics, DC Comics, it's DC their Comics. year. It's their year, Samuel. This, this is, is their it. year. This is, this is they're year. making. No more mistakes. So in the theme of making no more mistakes, they took the directors of Vacation (laughs) to make the Flashpoint movie. Oh, God. Wow. Everything's fine, guys. Everything's fine. You know? (laughs) You know what they're they're doing. This is it. This This is is their year. This is DC's year. They're going to be fine. They know what they're doing. Okay. Now, now to these guys' credit, they they were two of the six writers of Spider-Man Homecoming. Okay. Okay, but they're but, directing, so... Yeah, they're not writing this movie at all. Uh, they, they directed this upcoming movie, Game Night, which could be fine, you know? Yeah. But, again, the Hollywood double standard. These are two white men who made... Who are making two very low-budget comedies, which are bad. I haven't seen Game Night yet, but they made a, one bad low-budget comedy, and now they have another low-budget comedy coming up, and DC's like, huh... For some reason, here's $150 million. Go make a movie for us. Here you go. Like, there's no there's no ramp up. And not only are they just like, here, here, make a movie. They're like, here, make Flashpoint, one of the most important stories in the DC Comics. Like, here. Yeah. Wow. Here. Go make, go make Flashpoint for us. Jesus. Yeah, Flashpoint. Oh, Oh, Barry Allen. He he says to he has to give up having his mom alive to save the world. What a what a hoot! It Thomas Wayne is Batman because Bruce died in this storyline. So what that's a hilarious, funny. What a hilarious movie! What yeah. a what a ha ha ha! Now Vacation did make actually made quite a bit of money. Made a hundred and four million dollars worldwide. So you know probably and then. 31 million dollar budget they probably spent 20 to market it so you know it made about 10 million dollars for the studio not bad you know it, it made a, a little bit of money but again you're going from a 31 million dollar budget to a 150 plus million dollar budget and also the movie they made was terrible why do you trust these two people to make your movie for you yeah it don't make no sense there's plenty of non-white talent who've made if 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 you don't care about handling about handling large budgets, there's plenty of non-white, non-male directors who have made good low-budget movies. Oh, if yeah. you don't care about experience with budget, right? But like, give it to someone it, who's made good low-budget movies, not bad ones. It reminds me of this quote from Kathleen Kennedy, who's the 
he's the, she's the head of Lucasfilm. And there was this ridiculous quote from her saying, uh, we're looking for the right woman to give a Star Wars movie to. It's like, you gave Ryan, not Ryan Johnson, you gave uh, who, uh, Colin Trevorrow Star Wars after he made one $10 million movie and then a terrible Jurassic World movie. And then you just gave him Star Wars. It's It's such a double fucking standard. It really is. Yeah. I don't know anything about these guys' character, but if they were a duo of female directors, they would not even be close to getting Flashpoint. Yeah. Yeah. It's a shame. Yeah. It's the world the world we live in. <sighs> yeah. Hopefully I'm not the, saying, the revolution will fix this. And I'm not saying hire women and non-white directors just cuz. All of course, hire the best person for the job. But honestly, can you really tell me that these two are the right person for the job yeah. over someone who's proven their talents elsewhere anything you guys have to add i just ranted i'd love to see them do something besides you know two straight white men because we've had um i don't know how many dc movies in the past three or four years but patty jenkins has directed the best one and of course it comes from a woman yeah so it's like branch out like you don't have to keep shiring just straight white men. Like d- look they out, did, they oh. did have a non-white man. They did have a non-white man on this project before. Rick Famuyiwa, who made Dope, he was the director for this movie, mm. and then he dropped oh, that's out. Right, he dropped out because of creative differences. So like they tried to have a woke director and then lost him. Well, didn't they get another person, and then he ended up directing the Aquaman movie? Now, James Wan was never – James Wan is still making Aquaman, so they're they're right there. But mm-hmm. this universe is in shambles. I'm still not convinced this Flashpoint movie is e- even going to happen. Aquaman will – Aquaman's going to determine whether Flashpoint happens because if Aquaman loses money, there's no way this Flashpoint movie even happens. Yeah. But- <laughs> You, you don't inspire confidence in your universe when you're saying, okay, we have Aquaman. There's a capable director behind Aquaman, so that that should be good. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. what's going to happen? Okay, so we have this big Flashpoint movie. That's going to be our soft reboot movie. Mm-hmm. But why do you hire these two guys to – like Aquaman will help you save face. But if you're going to do Flashpoint and you're really going to do Flashpoint, why do you hire these two guys to do it? Yeah. I don't know. Why Why them? I want these movies to be good. I'm not a DC hater, mm-hmm. but I'm very critical because I love them. Yeah. Uh, but but DC Comics, this is their year, guys. This is, this this is their, their year, year, guys. 2018. <laughs> 2018, baby. The year the ship turns around. Yeah. This year we're getting, we're getting Aquaman and Teen Titans go to the movies. Oh, God. <laughs> about yeah dc comics movie did they end that trailer with a fart joke i think they did yes right yes yes the trailer ended with a fart joke (laughs) yeah great fantastic and then then a character also said ha 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 ha, he farted (laughs) oh my god wow i think comics children's children's movies have just taken a turn for the worst even dreamworks who did how to train your dragons one and two is just making fart movies now yeah, I think it's because we've gotten to that age of the new generation where where that's what they find funny. Because we had that too. We we went we through had that. Shrek. Yeah, we went like, through that little bit where we had Shrek and the burps and the, the farts were funny. If we're being away. honest about what Shrek was, it's a big old fart movie. Oh yeah. So let's not pretend we're better. No, we're not. Like every every generation goes through this. I think you know. 
where we just have the movies with the fart jokes and all that stuff. So, you know, if, if we can learn from our past and we can hope to the future, it'll hopefully get better. Okay. Uh, and uh, last, the last big story. This is actually pretty huge. Amazon Studios. People. Oh, oh, boy. So they, they want the next Game of Thrones. So they have canceled a ton of shows. They Basically, if you if you weren't winning awards for them, you're you're gone. Oh wow! So they canceled "I Love Dick," which is apparent, which is not what it sounds like at all. Yeah. <laughs> uh, John Claude Van Johnson. Okay. And they also canceled one Mississippi Tignataria's show. Also, and they this is on both sides. They want to make bigger budget movies, and they also want to make bigger budget shows. Hmm. So they did. They bought the rights to Lord of the Rings for about a quarter of a billion dollars. Oh wow! Last year. Dang. So they're making the Lord of the Rings TV show. Uh, you know, as someone who's currently writing a fantasy book, I think I have a pretty good shot of selling it to Amazon. If they're Ooh. they're looking to make big budget shows, Amazon, hit me up. Yeah, that'd be nice. I do want to sell you sell Get you my options. That money. Yeah. yeah. Jeff Bezos. Jeff Bezos. What a what a very rich man. Oh yeah. He's got. I talked most of the monies. At this live show I went to last week, uh, this guy I talked to, he works in an Amazon distribution center and like the logistics part of it. And he said like everyone at Amazon makes jokes about how swole Jeff Bezos is. <laughs> That's funny. It's not just us. Hey, did you see Jeff earlier? Looking shredded. Shredded. <laughs> yeah, but um, I don't know. What, what do you guys think? Because Amazon, their shows, they, like, they've been very, very good and they've done a lot with a little – like if you watch Marvelous Mrs. Maisel or Mozart in the Jungle, stuff like that, like it's 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 some pretty good stuff they're turning out. And I'm sad to see them turning away from it, but I understand why they want to go for it because the way Jeff Bezos talks about Amazon Prime Video is every time they win an Emmy, they sell more shoes. And that it it's a very direct relationship. Because when they win an Emmy, people subscribe to Prime Video, and when they subscribe to Prime Video, they also get free two-day shipping, and that's how Amazon makes more money. That's true. Yeah, I mean, like you said, they've been cranking out some really quality stuff, you know? So, I mean, I, good for them for, you know, aiming higher and shooting for the stars, you know? If they, if they can do it, which they clearly can, you know? I think it's going to be interesting to see finally Amazon Prime compete with Netflix because up till now, Netflix is the only big streaming company that's been like really pouring into their budget. You could say Hulu with um, Mer- ha- Handmaid's Tale, Mermaid's Tale. Uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> the sequel. So, yeah, with Handmaid's Tale, you can argue that. It'll be interesting to kind of see these two heavyweights between Netflix and Amazon Prime go head to head with big budget series. I'm really excited. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean Netflix. Netflix had big budget series, but it was it was always not on purpose. Like the Get Down, that was a big budget <laughs> series. Yeah, they did not mean for it to become that big a budget. No, not a, not at all. <laughs> I watched the Grand Tour on Amazon because I have a 4K TV, and it, the the Grand Tour is the perfect show for it because it's just cars and slow motion and 4K HDR. Nice. Look at these cars. Look at <laughs> look at these cars and their and their wheels. Yeah, there's guys in the cars, but but that's not as important. Yeah, it's really about the cars and the and the the crankshaft and the 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 gas gunshots. The 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 muffler is 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 loud on this car because it's it's a good expensive big car. But the the Grand Tour, uh, they weren't Amazon wasn't as willing to take risks on big budget shows, but. 
that was an exception because Clarkson, who, by the way, beat up a producer. Let's not forget that. Jeremy Clarkson's a terrible person. But yeah. uh, Top Gear was the BBC's most watched show. And so they could obviously trust them to produce a good car show for them. Uh, so they were willing to put more money into it. But I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to see what happens with uh, with Amazon. But it, it is sad that it's no longer this haven for niche programming that it used to be. Yeah. Like that'll – yeah. I mean I don't know. I mean I I never got any sort of like interest into the, the – like the ones that you said were canceled and stuff. Like the – I think the only one that piqued my interest just because I was like what the fuck are they trying to do was the John claude Van Johnson one. And so apparently that show is John claude Van Damme is an actor but he's also a super spy. Yeah, I, I read the thing. It's like he's a spy but he's also John claude Van Damme and, but he's he's going <laughs> undercover as – Jean Claude Van Johnson <laughs> or something. I don't know. Was, I don't know. Yeah, but I I saw that and I was like, that's weird. What the fuck? And so I like was briefly interested, and then I just scrolled on by. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I think I think that's it for the news, everyone. That's all we got through. If, all the news. That's all, folks. Yeah. If you, if you listen to this podcast for the wrong parts, then you can turn it off. I guess. <laughs> um. <laughs> okay here and now 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 here's why we had patrick on mm-hmm. the show we're doing two movies today as promised a last double week. feature now let's get to the first one before we get to the the creme de la creme oh, the, let's talk about shit let's talk about call me by your name call me by beautiful your name. movie okay beautiful here's where movie. i'm well, here's where i'm gonna cut i'm gonna like cut a little bit from the trailer into here we're gonna get some high production value Ooh. i can show you around that'd be great thank you What do you do around here? Read books, transcribe music, swim at the river, go out at night. Sounds fun. All right, later. Call me by your name. Uh, I saw this movie as soon as it came out. And uh, when we did our top 10 best of the year list, I said, Michael, Michael, I need you to see Call Me By Your Name because I'm pretty sure it's going to kick something off your list. Michael, was I right? Well, Samuel, uh, I will say, yes, you are. You are correct. It took it took the number one spot for me, and and here's what I'll say is because the way that I I tried to go about my uh, my top ten list was um, you know first first and foremost objectively you know we try to be as objective as possible on this show and um, and so I I found myself when when looking at the top three and the top one spot you know I was sort of coming to like the same conclusions of okay these movies are you know, objectively the better of them all, but there, they, there weren't, there wasn't one that stood out as, you know, being the superior, you know, better movie. Instead of looking at it objectively, I looked at it from, you know, what movie had the most for me, you know? So I, I looked at it personally. And so that's why baby driver took over. Um, because it just, it had the most moments for me, I think in a movie and was just like really enjoyable for myself, um, just because of music and all that stuff. But after seeing Call Me By Your Name, the, this movie is the superior movie. It is it is so well made and just well written and well executed that it it definitely deserves a number one spot objectively. So does everything does everything just uh, shift down your list? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. So um, what what was your ten? What got kicked off? Uh, Star Wars Episode Eight got kicked off. <laughs> ha. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. 
uh, and Ah-ha! now at the number ten is T two Train Spotting. Um, okay, that's yeah. good. So yeah, still, I mean, I'm still satisfied with the list. So yeah, it's it's okay. So uh, Patrick, uh, first impressions, and then we'll start talking about the story from Colin. Um, name the apex of what an art house film should be is what this movie is. Like, I know that wasn't gra- grammatically correct at all. This this movie, like, legit made me speechless. Um, between um, just the cinematography, the costuming, um, Timothy Chalamet's performance um, as Ilio, just, you can't do an 80s art house film better in my opinion. Okay. So let's let's talk well, well, let's 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 go through the story mm-hmm. of, of Call Me By Your Name. I'm just like say I I don't want us to give too much away. So the next like five minutes will be as spoiler free as we can. Just but like let me just say, people, go go see this movie. Yeah. Do your, I don't do yourself a favor. Everyone that I've talked to in the past like three days after seeing this movie, I've I've said go and see this movie. Really go and see this movie. <laughs> I did not put this movie as my number one, but again, if it took Best Picture this year, I would not be mad at all. Mm-hmm. It is just it's it's it didn't it comes down it really does come down to like how does this movie impact you personally? It did hit me, but it didn't hit me as hard as it may have hit Michael or Patrick. But it's just so beautiful, so well made. It is what you would think of Best Picture. Oh yeah, there's just some really quality moments in the movie. I mean, me and Patrick, we you know when we were on our way back from the theater yesterday, we we're just talking about it. And just like, there are so many scenes in this movie that are just like so beautiful to watch and just some dialogue that is just fantastic. I mean, that ending scene with him and his father sitting down and them just talking about love and just seeing two men open up about, you know, stuff like that. And, is is beautiful to watch and it's something that is that is rare and i think not a lot of men get in their life um you know is having a talk like that with their father about love and you know stuff like that i think you know most people they get the the talk of oh you got a girlfriend hey oh well hey use protection <laughs> but you know like that's that's what we get but with this we yeah. got, we got a beautiful little discussion about finding love and what love looks like and how unique and special it is and why you know it's it, it was just beautiful touching stuff you know you get some some really good stuff in this movie yeah it, it's definitely a tearjerker it it, it didn't make me cry I, I definitely swelled up a bit you know i got i got the swell my girlfriend we went and saw it two three days ago and she never she never cries and she was in many tears for this movie so yeah so the story okay the story very briefly uh elio is a he's a he's a he's a guy in the world trying to figure out what's going on here yeah he's a kid he's 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 a he's a artistically influenced kid you know he uh he likes his music and his books and uh he's living in italy with his family over the summer you know and uh so his dad's a professor, and every year uh, his dad picks a uh, a a student, a grad student, to come live with them and study. Uh, I guess like he's a he's an research assistant. Yeah, he's like a research assistant. The dad's an anthropologist or an art historian or something yeah, like that. He's got he's got some sort of PhD. <laughs> yeah, so he he invites these guys, th- these students, to come up and live with him, and uh, 
in Italy and 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 help him do his research. Mm-hmm. And it's a fun experience. And this year it's Army Hammer and uh, d- d- Army Hammer shows up and uh, Timothy Chalamet. He doesn't know how he feels about this guy. He's yeah. a Army. No, but Army Hammer in real life, very handsome fellow. He's a he's the epitome of just pure american like you know when when in truck commercial he's the truck of of hot americans i would say <laughs> he's, he's, you know really the truck of hot americans yeah, like you know People the part know about- you know the part in like truck commercials where they're just like just purebred american steel that's like you could describe army, army hammer the same way that the voiceover does in the truck commercial I it think. would be ryan gosling but he's, he's canadian yeah so well, also army hammer was who they had tabbed to play as batman in the justice league movie that they scrapped last decade yeah so just to give you an idea yeah you got got those you got those army hammer very handsome fellow and he's playing a very handsome fellow in this movie too so it's it's what the movie's really about is like it's it's just about like elio like he's fighting with himself yeah more than like it's here's the thing is like it's it's both of them i think because it takes place in the 80s you know like we said so, you know, homosexuality was definitely, you know, not something that was um, accepted, you know, as wide as it is right now. And so I, it's interesting because you see you see both characters fighting with themselves. And but in doing that, they come off to each other as fighting with each other. And so it's there's like the first part of this movie is, you know, them really trying to figure each other out. And Elio's like, I don't even know if I like this guy like he's a prick blah 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 but it's really like he it's not really and you figure this out later when they talk about it but um you know it's not really them being you know hostile with each other it's really them you know trying to mask and suppress the uh, the feelings and emotions that they're having for each other um, and then, you know, i was like their conflict is different like you hear about it at the end of the movie but elio doesn't he's never fighting with like oh my god what'll happen if my parents find out right that's never really an issue it's more just like his own his own discomforts come off as homophobia, yeah. but it's more just like he doesn't know what the fuck is going on. And mm-hmm. yeah, but Army Hammer's character, he is more worried about oh the the, the world outside, right? What, what will they think? Yeah, they're almost in he, opposite places because they're also Jews. And uh, I don't know if you know anything about Orthodox Jews. The most homophobic, like you think Christians ain't got shit on Orthodox Jews when it comes to homophobia. So if Army Hammer's family in this movie is any adult traditional Judaism. That's the kind of shit he's dealing with. Ah, makes sense. So there, so there's that, but it's people, I think people are going to write this off. Like people wrote, wrote up Brokeback Mountain's like, Oh, it's just a gay movie. Yeah. It's not that though. It's not, like, it's, it's, it's really a, not it's a movie about, yeah. it's a movie about love. Exactly. and it just happens to choose gay characters to, to show, to tell its story through. Well, and they they may not be gay. They might be bisexual. It doesn't matter. Yeah, though. like that's the yeah, thing about and, that, and that's the point is that it doesn't matter because we also see Elio's sexuality be challenged, and um, ultimately, I don't even know if it's because he's gay or not, but just like love happens, and it might not happen to, to um, yeah, as a man, it might not happen to somebody who is a woman it could be another man and that's what this movie is about it's about just sometimes you find love and how do you deal with it yeah, yeah. it's like yeah see because like that's the thing is you notice in the movie they never explicitly refer to either of the characters you know i army, army hammer or elio as somebody who's gay 
you know like they never say like dad i'm gay or any of stuff like that like it's it's literally like, cuz that's not the point of the movie you know it's like pat was saying it's about you know how you can just find love in random places and you never know where it's going to come from but when you have it you, you hold on to it as long as you found, can they they found love in a hopeless place i would say that they found love in a hopeless place um you know Thank you, Rihanna. Okay, Thank so you, let's, Rihanna. <laughs> let's talk. Okay, let's. Rihanna let's predicted. Call me by your name. <laughs> okay, let's all give our scores, and then we'll talk about spoilers for the movie. All right. Okay, uh, Patrick, you're the guest. What score do you give? Call me by your name. Out of ten, I would have to go ten. This is probably near the most polished movie I've seen in a very long time, and I haven't s- seen a movie like it before well i have seen movies like it but just not as well done as this movie so i would go with 10 michael yeah i mean see so i'm 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 gonna agree with you and and disagree with you so i i'm giving this movie a nine because i think 10 signifies and we talked about this before samuel is people are throwing around the m word with this movie people are calling it a masterpiece and uh while i agree it is a very well done and beautiful movie. I don't think it deserves the title of masterpiece yet. I feel like masterpiece is a title that you have to earn as a movie, you know? So I think, I think, you know, right now it's at a nine and you know, if, if this movie lasts and stands the test of time and people are still watching it in 10 years, you know, then maybe it can be a, a 10. Um, I'd say it's, I'd I'd say it's a nine too. Yeah. I think a a very strong nine. It's a, like it's a very good there's it's hard to say anything bad about it it's just like to be a 10 you gotta get there oh yeah you, you know gotta, you gotta put the like, you gotta pay your dues some of the best movies ever made are eights and nines mm-hmm. and that's fine exactly. 10 is like 10 is hard godfather is a 10 you know yeah like godfather is yeah. a 10 but i'm sure at the time when godfather was released i probably would have given it like a nine or, or whatever you know yeah. but, but you you watch the godfather now it's like, oh my god and it's like Brando. oh my god this movie was made like you know 30 years ago it, it deserves a 10 because it's still okay amazing. But, but here's hear me out like We're i'm gonna fight wrong. for my 10 really quick you yeah, okay. you you'd be because, strong in your 10 patrick well think <laughs> about it this way we just see high budget movie after high budget movie come out year after year. Rarely do we get a movie that makes a step back and just really take it in and like really make us appreciate that yes, this is this is a movie. This is brilliant. This is this is what art is. And I haven't had a movie do that to me since this movie in a long, long time. Yeah, I mean, we did have a big, but we did have two big budget movies that did that for me. It was Logan and Blade Runner. Okay, I mean, have you uh, watch Blade Runner twenty forty nine? And I think like I don't, I don't like the narrative that big budget always means bad. It, it really doesn't. Okay, let's let's talk about the spoilers for Call Me by Your Name. Call Me by Your Name spoilers. Ooh. Now, there's one scene in this movie that everyone's going to talk about, but oh uh, yeah, uh, okay, it's the peach scene. The peach scene. <laughs> the kid. If you haven't seen the movie, stop listening right now because what we're about to say is going to turn you off from this movie. But I promise, it's when you great. see it, you'll like. Okay, the kid has sex with a peach. <laughs> he puts his penis, and he has sex with a peach to completion. Yeah. And then Army Hammer comes by later. Because why not? (laughs) (laughs) It's it's really funny because I think like the lines in that bit 
are very accurate to what's going through the audience's mind where Elio's just like, why are you doing this to me? Why are you doing this to me? Why are you do- like, stop, don't do this. <laughs> At this point in the movie, he's horned out of his mind because not only has he just banged Army Hammer, but he's also banged Sexy French Lady. Yeah, Sexy French Marcia. Girl. Uh, and Marcia. Marcia. Marcia, who is very, very beautiful. But uh, that, so then like... The peach, what the peach scene means to me is just like he's ashamed of his sexuality, but instead of showing the typical he's ashamed to be attracted to a man, he takes his shame to the apex of he has sex with a peach and that's how he expresses. And so he's he's able to express his shame later, but not because he had sex with Army Hammer, but because he had <laughs> sex with a peach. With the peach. Um, that's how I that's how I saw it. Did you guys did you guys take anything else out of the peach scene? I mean, I got I got it as just like I mean, we see the entire time there's, you know, lots of lots of private moments with Elio, Elio where he's just, you know, sort of exploring himself sexually. Um and I think the peach is just another one of those and I think that that's sort of meant to be almost that's almost supposed to be the climax of the movie I would say literally um literally <laughs> <laughs> yeah. god damn it um <laughs> it's a great movie it is a great movie but um we're, we're children talking <laughs> about it um, <laughs> we saw boobies yeah but um <laughs> but yeah so I, f- I feel like that's supposed to be his sort of like breaking point sexually i guess where you know he's he's at his 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 most horniness <laughs> i mean we we all know what it was like to be a 17 year old boy <laughs> we, all I, we all knew when we saw that peach what yeah. was gonna happen <laughs> with the peach okay because <laughs> it kind of looks like a butt yeah it, you know you know, it's fine. It's it's yeah. part of life. Now, uh, the other thing, uh, let's, let's like, now. You know, I don't want to get too plotty, but like, yeah, the movie ends on a very on like it's a high and low note at the same time. Yeah, it's a very conflicting note. But like, you know, Army Hammer, he has to leave. Mm-hmm. What, what was Oliver. the character's name? What's Oliver. It? Oliver. Right. We just Fuck. keep calling him because, Army Hammer. Why not? Because he's Army Hammer. Because it's Army Hammer. He's playing, but he's. He's playing bisexual Army Hammer. Yeah, exactly. But you know, Army Hammer leaves, and then uh, the, the the movie just there's this beautiful conversation with uh, Elio and his father mm-hmm. that I think like we need to go to in depth. But really, it's about like he asks his like, "Do you love mom?" And it's like, "Yeah, I love mom," but no, we don't have what you two had. That's something special. You need to cherish it. And it's just this this beautiful conversation. And again, it, it's it's the, it's what this movie's really about like you know there's those all those star wars promos that end with uh, carrie fisher saying it's about family and that's what matters but and then you watch the last year like what <laughs> yeah <laughs> but this movie is real it's about love yeah. and just how they chose to explore it yeah i i really enjoyed that um that ending scene with the father that was like really touching for me and i've i've found myself getting very connected to um and i yeah it was just beautiful and what i can't for the life of me i can't remember the actor's name michael stuhlbarg he's in yeah. everything he's he was phenomenal he's he was really great in this movie yeah he's had quite the year of, of supporting roles he was in shape of water was he uh this movie wait he yeah. was who was he in yeah. that he was the Russian. He was the Russian scientist. Oh, oh my God! You're right. Yeah. yeah okay. And uh, he was. Like, he's also in the post for a little bit. Interesting. Wow. What a what an ending board. for 2017. Man. He's had. Yeah. You know, anything else to say about coming by your name, guys? That uh, you know you didn't want to um, say. Just there's okay, this. No one hasn't talked about this scene yet, but just the long shot scene with the statue 
Yeah. Where Elio is just really conflicted about like whether or not he wants to like say how he feels to Oliver or our army hammer and just like, and the scene is so beautiful. It starts with them pulling up on a bike and then they take out a cigarette and smokes and then just do this incredible long shot around this statue where Elio is like just going through this insane inner monologue out loud. And, um, I think you can argue like this is when the movie starts to get good. And this is when you realize, Oh, they know something. They both know something's up. So let's see like what goes on from here. And then the shot ends with them having another cigarette and getting on a bike and going off and doing their uh, thing. Like just yeah, beautiful scene. Circle. Like that's why the, people throw the word masterpiece around because like nothing's wasted. Everything, everything in the movie has a purpose. The framing, everything's perfect. Yeah, I yeah, that scene specifically was like just from a writing perspective, the dialogue and how it was written was so well because you have this moment where you know they're they're both they want to say like what they are trying to get out so bad, but they just can't. And so they craft it in a, in a, like such a secretive way. And it just, that plays so well for the scene. Um, and it's just really impressive and amazing. Um, yeah, I, it's a great scene. And then they, when they cut back to it even later at the, um, with the little like five second dream sequence, um, when they're in the hotel, that is like beautiful. I, when I first saw that me and, uh, my girlfriend were sitting next to each other and we both just looked at each other and went, Whoa, <laughs> like it's, that was beautiful. I'm gonna be honest. I didn't appreciate that, that scene in the circle as, as much when I first saw it, but I have a new found love for it now that you've talked yeah, about it. It's really great. Like good, good context. Okay. So yeah, uh, you know, if you've, if you listen to this, to these few minutes, you already seen the movie, hopefully, but it just, ah, uh, yeah. Uh, Again, it's not my number one movie of the year, but it is so well made. Uh, it is certainly deserving of Best Picture. Let's talk about Best Actor, though. Oh, yeah. Because this year, it's New Blood Timothy Chalamet versus Old Blood Gary Oldman, I think. Yeah. yeah. And you can't. And Tom Hanks, I don't think you can count- Have you seen the post yet? Yeah, I've seen the post. What do you think? It's it's fine. Okay. Is it is it Tom Hanks' it's Best still- Actor worthy, though? No, no, not even close. Now, what's weird is Daniel Day-Lewis didn't get a SAG nomination, hmm. which doesn't look because when you know how the academy works each branch of it um nominates the other movies Mm -hmm. so like the actors nominate best actor and then every and then at the awards everyone votes on best actor so basically everyone in everyone all the actors in the academy are also in sag so if sag didn't nominate daniel day lewis that doesn't lead us to believe that he'll get not let me make sure i'm right on there but that doesn't make that doesn't bode well for him getting a oscar nomination right However, uh, when the three best performances this year that people will talk about is like Timothy Chalamet and Franco, I uh, don't think nah. so. Franco, like he's he going to get a nomination was, for that movie, dude. It was it was a great performance. It was, it was an amazing performance, okay. in my opinion. Okay, yeah, you, know, you guys are entitled to your opinions, but I think you're wrong. <laughs> okay. Here's the thing: is that like I think it takes a lot for an actor. Now make you forget that you're watching a performance of another. Okay, now here's an argument for you. The, the argument now here's something for you guys. Franco did get the SAG nom over Daniel Day Lewis, which that's some, definitely something to consider. Yeah, 
Bag noms are Timothy Chalamet, Daniel Kaluuya for Get Out, Denzel Washington for that bad movie, uh, James Franco for The Disaster Artist, and Gary Oldman for Darkest Hour. I like that. Now, if though if we get perfect carryover to the Oscars, and there's a good chance that will happen because, as I said before, what I said before, yeah, Daniel Day Lewis and Phantom Thread, because I do think he might get an Oscar nom. Uh, I don't know if he'll win this year because if you see Phantom Thread, the perform everything about his performance is subtle. There isn't one moment in the movie which is like, you know, the big Oscar speech that he gives. Same thing with Timothy Chalamet. What Chalamet is doing is very subtle and quiet, and that's why it's so good. Oldman's the only one who has a big Oscar moment. Like he has this one big speech in Darkest Hour. says, you cannot negotiate with a tiger when your head is in its jaw. Like, you know, that's his Oscar moment. Yeah, That's what that's what oldman has going for him i think chalamet is in the better movie and that's why i might be thinking more favorable of him darkest hour is good but it's not a best picture worthy movie but oldman in darkest hour is great Mm -hmm. you know yeah i mean that's like it is necessary to have a big moment in a movie as like a leading actor you know i don't think that it necessarily has to be like bold i think you can have a subtle moment that is just as big like i think i think the peach scene and the ending shot of the movie of uh call me by your name is just as big of a moment for timothy Jalamet, you know oh i said let's give him the oscar whenever he fucked the peach that was my moment <laughs> where i was convinced yeah. that he deserved to win best actor <laughs> Takes a lot of cur- takes a lot of courage to, to have sex with a peach to completion. It was oh, yeah. like when Leo ate the raw fish. It was like I just knew. <laughs> Guys, he's a vegetarian and he ate a fish. You got to give it to him. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, Please give Chalamet's, him Oscar. Chalamet is certainly a contender for for the award, but the acad. I'm still looking at old Academy, and we have a new Academy now. Right. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know how this Academy is going to vote because they're very different from the Academy of the last decade. But the Academy of the last decade has favored big, noisy speeches over quiet, subtle performances. And that's not to take anything away from Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman did a very good job in Darkest Hour. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, what Leo did. Did Leo have a big, crazy speech? Uh, No, his big, crazy speech was all the shit he put himself through. So, yeah, that's... That's it. We uh, the Oscar noms come out. This podcast goes out on Monday, so uh, if you listen to this later, you'll already know who gets nominations. Mm-hmm. But I'm excited for Oscar predictions to happen because they're so fun to do. Oh, they are. Okay, and uh, let's, let's let's move to on the to good, what, the good the good movie now. Movie let's get to what that- we. The actual masterpiece. Here's what we okay. Here's what we came here for. Now, uh, uh, we the reason. Here's why I wanted to see Proud Mary. <laughs> Who the hell are you? I'm Mary. Last week we talked about this, but Taraj P. Henson came out and she said uh, Sony didn't want to try to market this movie because black uh, majority black films are hard to market outside the United States. Why not just send me over to Europe and I'll try to sell the movie? You know, we c- can't hurt to try. And there wasn't a lot of marketing for this movie. So like Taraj P. Henson was like, Sony's racially motivated. They were afraid to market an all black movie. The thing against her argument is there's this little picture called Black Panther coming out in a few weeks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is an all black movie that's set to make all the money. Oh yeah. So with with that in mind, I was like, okay, let's see it. Now what I was expecting from Proud Mary was run of the mill, okay, 
not very good January action movie because January movies are basically all bad and forgettable. That's that's what I was expecting from Proud Mary. What I got. <laughs> let me let me bring up the text. Let's me see if I can find this text I was sending oh, Michael yeah. while I was in. The <laughs> I was in the theater. I don't normally bring my phone out in a theater, but you know, for this movie, who cares? <laughs> Here's what I texted Michael. Oh my God! Proud Mary may be the most unintentionally funny movie since The Room. Seriously, down to the point that the main character has a friend named Danny. Oh my God! Now in The Room, the character's name is Denny, but it, they say it like Danny. Yeah. I can't believe this was allowed in theaters. Everything about this is perfect. The editing, dialogue, even they—they they even recycle shots. Yep. What's weird about Proud Mary is what's all everything that's wrong with Proud Mary. It's like this could have just been a forgettable movie. Oh yeah. But just. The way so many things in this movie just fall flat on their face. Yeah. Did like d- like Danny Glover's acting ability? Yeah, he just forgot um, how to act. Like, like, the, okay. The movie Proud Mary is – okay. Taraj B. Henson plays Mary. She's an assassin. Hitman, something for the mob. The I family. don't know what kind of mob they do. The family. <laughs> what does the family do? Do they know. sell drugs? Do they sell weapons? I don't know. We don't know. So she kills this guy, and she finds out the guy had a kid. Then one year later, the kid's dealing drugs. Yeah. <laughs> Which I was like, I mean, crack. that was one thing. I was like, I was like, okay, wait, this kid, how long ago did his dad die? And he's already involved in a major drug, co- like, fucking ring? Like, what? <laughs> And yeah. they trust him enough to get to have a gun. Like, <laughs> oh, God, just okay. The kid, let's the kid in the movie. Uh, the I saw a re- movie. I saw a review for the for this movie. Like, you know, the movie's not very good, but Taraj is great and the kid is great. What movie did they see? This kid cannot act. I love I the kid. I really love the kid. <laughs> the kid was honestly my favorite part of the movie. He was so I love funny. The kid be- <laughs> I love the kid because the kid is such a bad actor. Though, no, right. You know? Like it's not it's not because like he's like wow. he's like he's like maximum edge, you know. <laughs> yeah. They just they just like saved all the like the actually like funny lines for him. <laughs> yeah. You know? Like, but the, just again, the movie it's not like the the Room is not the worst movie ever made. What's funny about The Room is the story of The Room is bland. It's a it's a love triangle. But yeah. the incompetence of it is what made it great. That's why Proud Mary is so good. Right. Like there's nothing complicated about <laughs> This could have – like if you had gotten a better editor to work on this movie, it would have been generic and fine. But right. just – the way that certain the action scenes are edited, the way that certain uh, music beats play, it's so hard to describe. But it was it was like watching a movie edited and written by an alien. Can you know? we talk about the? Yeah, it was like this is what human movie is like. Yes. <laughs> uh, can we talk about the blatant um, drone shot of Danny crossing the bridge? <laughs> that was like so clearly filmed on like a dji pro like (laughs) not even probably a phantom like yeah um the action in it is very forgettable like there's the first the first time there's action what action like the first time there's an a quote action scene in this movie it's like so haraj p henson she picks up the kid whose dad she killed who's now dealing drugs and then and then she finds out that the drug dealer the kid's working for is beating him so she goes to confront him and then she she loses her temper i guess i guess and then, <laughs> yeah i guess and then there's an edit where it's so clearly they got her stunt woman to do this scene but she turns around and she 
quickly spins left to right and shoots all the guys in the room. It's so obvious they cut to her stunt woman, which is weird because there isn't a stunt. You could have just had Taraz turn really quick. Yeah, or they could have even had her turn slow and then sped it up. Like (laughs) It's not a a complicated shot to execute, but yet – it's it's just so clear because like you don't see her head it's just the back of some woman's hair whose weave i think is longer than taraj's weave yeah <laughs> that she was wearing yeah oh god the kid in this movie there's just so many parts like he just says like asshole and douchebag because he's edgy because yeah, he's because he's, he's hard because he's been on the streets <laughs> he knows he knows what the streets are like <laughs> okay here's here we're gonna skip ahead but the movie where i thought i was going to die like in the theater i was keeling over like they're not going to do this they're not is when the kid was going to kill danny glover oh my god yes (laughs) the kid goes in and he takes it like they're not gonna have him kill danny glover no this is too perfect i don't deserve this this is amazing yeah see my rollover laughing moment was when they finally played fucking proud mary's title song (laughs) holy shit hey boss you know that lady, she's coming to get you, right? <laughs> so the the guy who plays a uh, Copperhead in uh, Luke Cage is a bodyguard who shows up <laughs> in the movie. I guess they recast the character mid-movie. <laughs> but the guy who plays Copperhead in Luke Cage is up, and then like the Proud Mary song starts playing, and then they just cut randomly to, This bitch has lost her goddamn mind. <laughs> But she hasn't gotten to the warehouse to start shooting people yet, and there's no there's no sense of why he would say this bitch has lost her goddamn mind after we've seen Taraj driving to the warehouse to save the kid. Taraji, sorry, not Taraj, Taraji. Taraji P. Sorry. Oh god. Listen, she was an executive producer on this movie, and I, I can just me. I can I could I would talk to, to Patrick about this uh when we were leaving. I could just hear Taraji P. Henson's fucking like pitch to the executives while watching this movie. Like I could just just hear her just like, yeah, she's just like me. And and she's a she you don't think she's the mother in type, but she is the mother in type. (laughs) (laughs) So what what's weird about this is like the they pitched this movie as black female John Wick. And Atomic Blonde was female John Wick. (laughs) Now, if you've here's why john wick is a great movie um john wick is schlock but what makes john wick great is that keanu reeves trained to be a stuntman so he could execute all of these fights without them having to cut around it so the camera could be very stable and locked onto him as he was doing the action so the action looked better and it was a more believable action movie to watch right that's how you make a movie like john wick and that's sort of what atomic blonde did uh charlie's in a lot of her fights and there's there's one action scene in proud mary which is the shootout and it's just point shoot shoot move point shoot shoot move like it's the she most- does one jump out of her car and i think that's the only thing she does action wise the it's, entire movie yeah all the fight choreography it's not even fight choreography it's like basic how to make action movie that they teach you in film school yeah like it's just taraj shoot shoot a uh, blood packet goes off she comes around she's pointing she looks around the corner and moves down the whole time she's doing this action scene proud mary is playing in the background <laughs> yep the song proud mary it's like proud mary 
Sarah K-pop. But it doesn't like <laughs> it's not like rapidly cutting. She's not like jumping. No, she's just like walking down. If you cut the music out, it's just a woman walking down a hallway holding a gun. Shooting people. And they're like, <laughs> like what if, if we cut Proud Mary into this, it'll look awesome. Yeah. It, it just looks like a poorly edited action sequence. Yeah. But no, when I thought the kid was going to, if the kid did end up killing Danny Glover, I would have applauded openly in the theater, but no, (laughs) the kid doesn't kill Danny Glover. Uh, Taraji kills Danny Glover. (laughs) There's a lot of just like the, the weird thing they do in these B movies where they refer to everyone by their first name all the time. I need you to go talk to George and take him over to Tommy's and teach them a lesson about, they got to respect Benny. Mary, this movie was great. Uh, wait, there's just one thing that I do need to bring up um, about this movie. Um, Danny Glover is officially too old for this shit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he, is. he, he, like, oh, his acting was just awful. Like, I, and which is bad, sad because I loved the we- Lethal Weapon movies, and it's sad to just see him like be too old to act for acting anymore wait wait wait, wait. patrick slow down Down. (laughs) (laughs) that was the best that was our favorite line he that's where we laughed like out loud see like that was the problem about going to see this movie though is that we were in a theater where there weren't enough people for us to like be assholes you know (laughs) yeah there's like seven folks who showed up because they had something to do and so like it's a it's it's like that's the thing is like the audience was half people who were like laughing going, at it who were going and like enjoying it for what it was and the other half were people who were going expecting it and wanting it to be good mm-hmm. and so like we didn't have the like we didn't have the heart to like really be like too rowdy oh I-, I was laughing i was laughing openly at this thing like every time a little bit piece of dialogue just landed with a thud i was like <laughs> I should. I wanted to see it again to take notes, but I didn't get around to it because uh. the first time I laughed is like she. It's in the opening scene. It's set to like the seventies, uh, uh, black exploitation jazz music, which we never do, hear do, again. Do. Which we never hear do, again do, in the do, movie. Do. But do 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 do. She puts on. <laughs> she puts on her wig. She goes to the hotel. She she goes to the guy she's there to kill. Says, "Don't answer that." Pew! That's the first laugh I got. Yeah, <laughs> don't answer that. Boom. Don't and answer that. <laughs> I also found it really interesting that, like, she's a hit woman, right? Okay. Yeah. Did, has she never killed anyone else with a kid before? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like why Why this oh, one Michael, kid? Michael, Michael. Why she is Danny special? Michael, Michael, she doesn't do kids. She doesn't do kids. I thought I told you. She doesn't do kids. I don't do kids. Oh, my God. But she uh, is the mothering type, Samuel. She yeah, is. she's the mothering type. She doesn't do kids. Oh, my God. That wow, yeah. And then what else? What else? Uh, the 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 love interest, I guess. Oh yeah, uh huh. He's also uh he's also acting like a statue. Program yeah. to speak. Yeah, my favorite my favorite performance by him was was when he he walks in on on his dead father, mm-hmm. and is upset. and throws his coat over him and acts upset (laughs) and then uh uh, there's like one white guy in the black mafia in boston (laughs) they just introduce oh by the way he's a pedophile so let's just kill him and frame this this they're in a rivalry with the russian mob and the the russians i don't know if you can tell they're russian but they're russians because they're doing very very bad russian accents they really just sounded like new york greeks 
Yeah, like they the sounded only way like they could Greeks be, from Queens. The only way these guys could be more Russian is if they were bears on unicycles. <laughs> That's how close we we, we came to. Per- so they're in the, they're in this thing with the Russian mafia and the because Mary killed this guy and they're like, oh, we need to find out which of our guys killed him. And then they're like, well, let's just say it's let's just say it's the white guy because oh, I guess he's a pedophile. <laughs> so then Mary kills this guy just because, <laughs> just because, just because, because. Yeah. Uh, uh, Cause fuck yeah. that guy. There's all this stuff with the uh, 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 with with the kid, like Mary and the kid have bonding. I guess they eat hot dogs yeah. and sit at the at his old dead mom's rock. <laughs> <laughs> Danny, so Danny finds out twist because you know what was happening. Danny finally finds out that Mary killed his dad, and he runs away. And the mayor's like, ah, shit. Oh, I know where he went. He's she goes. The rock. To the, she, she goes to the rock to meet the, to, to see Danny, and then oh immediately forgiven. Yeah. yeah. And then, then he goes. Yeah, he was an asshole, anyways. Yeah, he <laughs> just resolved. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm I'm really sorry about killing your dad. Okay. My my mom my mom didn't take me when she ran away, so it's like I'm here. Yeah. Well, luckily <laughs> she's the, that guy well luckily she's the mothering type luckily yeah News luckily she's the mothering type. She's the I was, mothering type i was worried she wasn't the mothering type but then she turned out to be the mothering type so oh, overall yeah. good movie in my opinion yeah yeah now the, at the beginning of the movie i did not think that she was going to be the mothering type but then at the end of the movie it turns she out the she's the type. mothering type but there's nothing to suggest that like she doesn't mary doesn't really have an arc in the movie like yeah like if you were to construct like, a, she's, she's yeah. the mothering type from the beginning like like that's the thing is there's no moments in the at the beginning of the movie where she's playing the you know the the bronx tale type of guy you know who's like ah yeah. fuck kids man why i gotta take this kid around with me everywhere you know or, she's immediately very mothering to him yeah or like she's like she feels guilty, but she doesn't want to have to be his mom, but she's guilt, but she feels guilty. So she is right like that. That would make sense that she's reluctant to do it, but her guilt is overwhelming. So that's why she takes him in. But instead she's very willing the whole time she to take him care out. of him. Like she yeah. looks for him. Like that's, yeah. that's, and again, like it's fine. Oh, she's motivated by guilt. So that's why, that's why she takes him in. And then eventually she learns to love him, but no, she's just, totally on board with taking this kid in i don't know why the studio didn't go for the hail mary no pun intended <laughs> and market this and market this movie as like as like a spoof comedy that subverts the tropes of action movies you know why not try for it they could have gotten a few more tickets sold yeah that would have been see ah oh man i think i don't think we would have been as surprised though and i think that's part of what makes the movie great i was expecting this episode to be about Okay, yes, Hollywood is traditionally not as willing to market black movies to non-black audiences, but your movie's bad, so stop complaining. Right. Instead, completely different – like as I was watching it, how I was going to structure this episode turned a complete 180. Yeah. Where now I actually wanted to talk about the movie. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Wow. What a great movie. It really yeah, is it really a good did. movie. Like there will be multiple yeah. viewings in the theaters thanks to Movie Pass. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the other like this was competing against Liam Neeson on a transportation device <laughs> mode of transportation. <laughs> Liam Neeson on a train. This it, it, we, he was on a plane last time, uh, and and he was on a, a rampage the other time. But now no, he's, he's on a train. Uh, now he's on a train. He's on a train. <laughs> so <laughs> also, the competition this week uh, is Den of Thieves. Mm. uh 12 strong and forever my girl 
mm. which looks like the most Nicholas Sparksy m- movie. <laughs> yeah, well, they literally advertise it as if you love Nicholas Sparks movies, Sparks. you'll love this movie. Patrick, on the old show, Michael and I did this uh, this amazing this amazing bit where we we pitched an, a YA book <laughs> <laughs> for Nicholas Sparks. It's like he's a guy and he realizes in his and he's had success, but then in his past, and a girl comes around and she's she's gonna change his life. But she's gonna, gonna flip his, his life upside down, and he'll have, he won't like it at first, but he'll soon realize there's more to life than money, and and that he's he he really just wants to find the perfect girl. Michael, it's about it's it's about family. It's about family and love and, and happiness, the finer things yeah. in life, and peaches, and, pe- <laughs> and pretty and white, <laughs> pretty white people. Yeah, and white people. Yeah, Go most see importantly, white. people. I thoroughly <laughs> recommend Proud Mary. Uh, 12 out of 10, I give it. Oh, yeah. I give it a solid uh, five grapples. Yeah. <laughs> Patrick, what do, you, what do you give Proud Mary? Oh, I, how do I do 12 out of 10? Um, you oh, know well, what? It is just he gives the it perfect One movie. police siren. <laughs> that is what I will yeah. give it. I'll give it a police siren. A police siren. Yeah, just, just a police go, siren. Go. Just one literally way. a police go siren s- telling everybody to go see this movie. That's what I want. Go see Proud Mary. And just enjoy it. It's just, it's so schlock. It's this, look, this, you have to witness how poorly made this movie is. It could have been generic Liam Neeson movie that you forget as you watch it. Instead, it's a, it's a, it's one for the ages. Yeah. It's a cavalcade of commentary on action movies. It, it redefines the genre. Yeah, it, it really, it, it really, it, it turned the genre on its head. Well, I, that's I'm it. all proud married out, man. <laughs> that's it, baby. Proud, proud Mary. Go, yeah. go see it right now. Best movie of the year. It's the movie of 2018, that's for sure. Don't go, don't see, don't, okay, you know, let's, let's it. We're in the decompression zone now. That's decompression. It. I want us to start just recommending things that, you know. We, oh, yeah. We started. So, you know, Patrick, you're our guest. What do you, you got to recommend for the audience? Just to check out anything, a movie, uh, an album, a podcast, uh, uh, a lifestyle choice. What do you got to well, recommend? I've been um, watching a little show on Netflix called The Crown as of late with Michael, actually. Yeah. And um, this is it, it came out last uh, two years ago now uh, in 2016. Um, and it follows the journey uh, for those of you who don't know, it follows the journey of Queen Elizabeth as um, the second, the, the second, second as she undertakes the crown after her father's tragic death. And um, after the country has come out of war and it's an amazing show. Claire Foy, who plays Queen Elizabeth, is amazing. Matt Smith, who plays um, Philip, is amazing. Um, the act, John Lithgow. Like, I'm only a few episodes in, but please check out the show if you haven't seen it. I regret to tell you that Regent's child will be born within the hour. It's very important to say it. I love I think Matt Smith as Philip is just a brilliant casting choice. I love The Crown so much, guys. And I've. I slept on this show. It's so good. It's really good. I thought it was going to be a boring white people show. It's not. It's like, oh, yeah, fuck, yeah, you can't do that to the queen. Yeah. In season two, there's an episode with JFK, and it it might be my favorite episode of the show because you just hate JFK so much. Well, he did try to sleep with anything that moved, like, in real life. Yeah. (laughs) But not just that. Like, he was... was, like it's some like he probably beat Jackie. Oh, hundred like, percent. Like 
that kind of stuff. But watch the crap. It's great. But in season three, they're completely recasting the show. Helena Bonham Carter is going to be Margaret. And I forget who they casted as Elizabeth, but... Uh, it was uh, his Broadchurch lady. Yeah, but either way, I'm excited for... Um, when does season three come out? At the end of this year, right? Yeah, sometime at the end of this year, maybe early next year. I don't care. Give it to me. I want it. Give me the yeah. crown. I love it's the crown. It's a great show. I was talking to Patrick because it's like we have a show for every sort of level of British society back during this time, you know, because we have <laughs> pe- we have we have Peaky Blinders, which is low, like l- like lower class, right? And then they sort of get into middle class, you know, in the later seasons. And then you have Downton Abbey, which is, you know, upper class, you know, like. But then the crown. Then you have the crown, royal yeah. class. So you get yeah. all the all the different classes. Okay, Michael, what's your, what's, what do you have to recommend? This little, uh, this little group. I don't know if you heard of them, Samuel. They, uh, they hail from the great uh, city that we hail from uh, of Atlanta. Um, <laughs> the Migos. <laughs> um migos they're dropping an album this next friday um culture two and i'm rather excited for it so i'm gonna i'm gonna recommend that to the to the listeners if they want to go give give that a listen next week well michael you made this point the other day about culture two that the two singles that we've gotten for culture two oh yeah motorsport and stir fry and And they're both phenomenal this album, I'm really excited for this album. Like, I I really hope we get another Bad and Bougie, or or at least a song mm-hmm. that um, has the same effect as Bad and Bougie. We probably will because they are. I think we already did with Motorsport, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. So, I think that's what that was. But yeah, I'm hyped for it. So everyone, everyone, go give her a listen. Samuel, what what do you recommend? It's my recommendation is uh <clears throat> so uh, have you heard of cracked cracked yes yeah through their uh, their website they had a video channel and then they laid off all their video stuff it was very sad yeah. but uh they because the videos were great but they had this pot they had this podcast called the cracked podcast and it's basically they take all the cracked listicles and then they but they in podcast form it's like seven people you didn't know were secretly nazis wow. and then it's they go Damn. very in-depth now the problem with the crack podcast is it's a very bad podcast. It's um it's it's way too long. Uh it's it's boring. The host is always very full of themselves and they decide to preamble for like 20 minutes before the show starts. Very bad podcast. But the one of the old hosts who made this very bad podcast, the crack podcast, uh, Jack o, uh, Jack O'Brien, mm. he uh He's and he, he had his version of the crack podcast had all the same issues as the current incarnation of it. But Jack O'Brien, he started a new podcast called The Daily Zeitgeist, and it is a daily news commentary show. It is an hour long, it is the easiest hour long podcast to consume I've ever encountered. I love it. I've already listened to like I did, I listened to a few other back catalog episodes. It's just, it's so well. It's so well put together. That's it for the recommendations. And now, uh, I don't know, just how, how, you guys, how are you guys doing just up in – how's the Big Apple? It's cold. It's loud. <laughs> and, well, no, it's actually really nice out today, Pat. We got to go outside. It's like 40-something degrees, but Julie was telling me it's like – it feels like 70 or something. Okay. We're just chilling. Uh, oh, uh, unwatchable um, update. So this is, this is going to be the, the home stretch this week, Samuel. We got, start taping. We start taping uh, this week. Um, I'm going to talk to Will and see if we can uh, 
get some get some schedules worked out and stuff because uh, I want to because these these are going to take uh, these recording sessions are going to take longer than the normal ones, you know, because we're gonna have to do multiple takes and whatnot. Let me let me just say for any camis that might be listening to this, uh, just the the amount of so like I do all the work for this podcast. I produce it. I get all the stories together. I edit. I down. Michael's doing all that, but also times a hundred because he's also writing every single sketch. Mm-hmm. and editing it like I'm, I'm impressed with the amount of work you're putting into this i have no idea how you're gonna put this show out weekly but i'm looking forward not, to see what you do. it's not gonna be weekly that's the thing here's um, what i'll say don't feel the need don't feel the need to do an hour-long show like if you if you think that you can get three 20-minute episodes out of it just do that yeah see the thing no cares, yeah that's good, no one cares how long it is yeah that's the thing is like this this first episode is going to be a test to see if a if a long form episode works you know to see yeah. if, it, if it gets boring or if it you know um falls sort of flat or whatever i think weekly is something to consider like short like you record you you record everything at the beginning of the month and then you just edit it together because if you look at like you don't want to be going for long and weekly because that's what you get. That's what Saturday Night Live became. Right. So if you only put out a 20 minute episode every week, I think that's fine. But I'm excited to see what this long episode looks like. But I'm proud of all the work you're doing, bud. And uh, we're about to, we're about to get the final product. Oh, yeah. Get excited. I'm writing um, the jingle today. Oh, boy. I'm writing the new the new uh, the new intro song. And should we have you commissioned new artwork? I have not, s- not yet. I'm gonna with the same old. We're gonna stick with what we have for now, and then I'm gonna talk to some of my friends and see if yeah. I can get some stuff. And then also a note for listeners of this show: uh, Culture Vacuum and Unwatchable are both on Spotify. So if you want to recommend the show to your friends, just tell them to look us up on Spotify because we're there. Mm-hmm. We're there. <laughs> yeah, we made it. Well, this is gonna be our longest episode ever, so I think we'll end it now. Patrick, yeah. thank you so much for joining us. Thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. This is like yeah. Star Wars, the first Star Wars episode level length. Yeah, I'll find an episode in here somewhere. That's what I do. <laughs> I, I have faith in you, buddy. You got this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's it. For Thanks this. for coming on, That's Patrick. It. Thank you guys for having me once again. It's can't it's wait that I'm saying that with like you in just the next room. Yeah. <laughs> literally just like, a wall sh- is separating us right now thanks for, thanks for being yeah. here that's <laughs> it for the show every week this this week everybody bye 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 Guys, the it. minions. Remember we watched the minions with your sister. <laughs> they ruined. Uh, he went on his minions rant last, last night, literally as we were walking out of the movie. They ruined Why? a perfect comedic comedic device. They ruined it. They ruined it. <laughs> what inspired the minions? After I don't seeing call oh, me by your oh, name. Oh, we no, saw a poster for Illuminations: The Grinch, and I was like, oh. Yeah. Illuminations doing a Grinch movie. This is probably not going to be good. And I was like, no, it'll probably get, be good. Horton Hears a Who was good, and so was the Lorax. So, you know, like, they'll probably do all right. Okay. But okay. they also Any- made the minions, yeah. and they also ruined the minions. Beetle, beetle. That can go on the Patreon. <laughs> yeah, I'll put that in the I can cut that out for the Patreon. Yeah.